presented by the American Petroleum Institute. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Thursday, August 24th. And one story looms above all the others in Washington today. Yes, former President Donald Trump is expected to surrender to law enforcement in Fulton County, Georgia later today. And yes, he gave a bizarre interview to Tucker Carlson that aired last night, during which he speculated about Jeffrey Epstein's suicide. And yes, those would normally be the biggest stories in the country. But today is different, because last night we watched the first presidential debate of the 2024 cycle, as eight Republican contenders took to the stage in Milwaukee and showed us a vision of what a Trumpy but post-Trump Republican Party could actually look like. And frankly, that is what everyone in Washington and everyone in politics is going to be talking about today. Breaking it all down with me, our Playbook co-authors Ryan Lizza, Rachel Bade, and Eugene Daniels, and Playbook editor Mike DeBonis. We chatted late last night, just after the debate ended, and we wanted to bring you a longer-than-usual episode of the podcast so that you could get a glimpse of what that inside conversation was like. (laughs) So, let me just go around the horn here. Uh, What was the standout moment of the night uh, for each of you? Ryan, how about you? So... Honestly, I, I, there are a number of moments, but the one I'm going to throw out here as as mine, because I think I know what Eugene's and Rachel's are, is when Brett Bear lost his patience and basically dressed down Ron DeSantis. <laughs> it was very, it was very um, shut up. Ron loser. DeSantis was not exactly a non-entity in this debate, but he did not seem like the you know the the giant killer um, that he was purported to be at the start of this race. And he did want to talk about January 6th and the Trump indictments. And there was a brief section in the debate, a very interesting section, where that came up, what, two-thirds into the debate. And Brett Baer basically said, look, you're down by 30 or 40 points. Um, this is an important issue. And we need to talk about Trump. We've talked about all these other policy issues. You know, basically <laughs> um, responding to Ron DeSantis complaining that Fox would even, you know, broach uh, the subject that is, frankly, the centerpiece of the whole whole, whole race. So I, I thought that was an unusual moment with a, with a moderator dressing down a candidate and, frankly, embarrassing him. And not only that, it it came just minutes after when they asked that question, raise your hand if, uh, you know, you would support Trump if he was convicted uh, of a crime before the election. And Ron DeSantis literally looked around the room to see what other people were going to do before sticking his hand in the air. Also not a good look. um, And one apparently the Trump people are very much seizing on right now. The, the, the ironic thing was that, you know, DeSantis ends up getting dressed down after he tries to, like, assert dominance at certain points, particularly yes. the first time they try to do a show of hands. He says, well, let's just have the debate. Let's not do this. And he tries to do this alpha male thing. And it just it doesn't work. It just does, did not feel natural. None of the other candidates sort of, like, respected him. And he just got lost in it. And, it, and then Bayer just sort of slammed the, slams the door on him later in the debate and it just sort of like encapsulates the whole story of the night for DeSantis where he just did not act like like the the an A-level figure on this stage you know he, he was he was clearly on the B team like in the, in the in the same category as a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott God forbid a, a Doug Burgum like he just was not asserting himself and when he did 
Well, Bergen was on the DL earlier in the day, so give cut him some slack. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're, we're going to give him. I mean, for me, I think when when I think kind of like my the biggest moment, it was more just a we saw brand new Mike Pence than we've ever seen. Right, this is a man who's all calm and sweet and heavenly, and he was getting asses all day long, <laughs> like him and Vivek when he kind of got irritated with Vivek Ramaswamy. Like basically like this young whippersnapper who doesn't know anything about foreign policy, who started to flail when they got started getting deep in the policy um, conversation. Um, he was kind of, it, it was really interesting to see him become a candidate, right? This is not the like, did he become president tonight? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying it was interesting to see him become someone different. The things that he wanted to talk about, he talked about a lot. Abortion, his foreign policy experience, and also the future of the Republican Party on foreign policy, um, and January 6th. And then he did it in a way that made him look more stately, more like a statesman than he has before. He kind of rose above the folks Eugene, who were beating you him mine. in the polls at this point. I agree yeah. with Eugene. Still mine. Was that yours? <laughs> I will figure the I will figure the exact moment where like, Mike Pence lost it, and it was when uh Vivek tried his little comeback of newsflash, the USSR doesn't exist anymore. And you could just see the steam Pence coming out of his ears. Who is yeah. who is this this you know fifteen year old trying to tell me about you know, like what what Vladimir Putin is all about? And he just that launched him into, I think, a really sort of like you know, from the gut sort of defense of his sort of like old line sort of establishment conservative worldview. And, you know, uh, I think that's Vivek was totally fine with that. I think that he he was happy to draw that contrast, but it also caused Pence to sort of like get that sense of himself out there in a way that it, it was a totally different it was a totally different side to Pence. I mean, you know, one of the abiding lines about Mike Pence that I will always remember was during the 2016 campaign, someone said that the vibe that it gives off a lot of the time is like a community theater actor <laughs> doing a Ronald Reagan impression. And he really seemed more commanding tonight. Like he seemed like someone who was out for blood at times and drew blood and enjoyed it. To be fair, there were community theater moments, but like, yeah, but there were, there were actual. It was been there, done that. I've been in the room. I've been vice president. I know what well, the And it was I'm also like two different dynamics that you saw with him. He was also like really aggressive on not just like content in terms of foreign policy, like talking over the moderators right. when they were trying to get him to stop talking, insisting <laughs> on talking on about January 6th and trying to get the moderators to go around the room and make every candidate say, if they they would have done what he did on January 6th. But then he was also funny and had some funny quips uh, at Ramaswamy, the thing, nobody wants a president too old, nobody wants a president too young. And he just seemed so comfortable with himself and comfortable in his own skin, it, which is a lot sort of different than the performance we saw from him during the, the press, past vice presidential debates. Um, and I do think it's like, it's worth noting that Adam Wren, our colleague, has said that it looks like he's sort of playing in, into legacy mode right now, that it's not about winning anymore. It's just about sort of 
sewing up what he wants the American history and American public to think about him. It's about that first paragraph in the in his obituary. But also, he like in, when it comes to on the, on the abortion question, which I think was probably one of the most interesting parts of the night. That debate back and forth. He had the um, you know the most right wing. Um, answer to that question to abortion he's continued to be as he says the most conservative on that question so it's not helping republicans right if you're thinking about like the political what the what the political tea leaves have been telling us on an issue as good as he was tonight on actual whether or not he's helping his party um it's (laughs) he did not do good on that part republican primary voter eugene daniels Rachel, you're there though. What is what are people saying? What are the what are the people well, saying in this Eugene, room? I'm here talking to you right now. So <laughs> And where would you rather be? Nowhere. I would rather be in that scrum over there uh, behind my shoulder with Don Jr., who is talking to all these reporters and has a bunch of cameras. I just gotta like try to push my way in. You know, one thing guys we were talking a lot about in the chat that I think is worth mentioning is this debate gives us a glimpse of what the post-Trump Republican Party looks like. I I was struck watching this, just the sort of spectrum of opinion that we saw on a lot of big questions, like abortion policy, as Eugene pointed out, like Ukraine, like how how these candidates think about January 6th. I think part of that is because you have, you know, you had Pence and Christie and Burgum and these sort of outliers in the Republican Party, you know, on stage and, and especially Pence and Christie really dominating things. Um, but boy, you don't, you don't see that, th- those kind of debates on some of these issues on, in a lot of GOP forums the, these days. And um, when Trump is not there to suck all the oxygen, you know, out, out of an event, it is, a, it is a different dynamic. So it raises the question, I wonder what you guys think, did, did Trump make a mistake by not showing up and giving these guys a platform to air sort of non-Trumpy views about about a, a few big issues. I don't think we can say that this early. I mean, like, I, how many people were watching? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. And is it really going to move the polls? I mean, I definitely think it was more entertaining with Trump not there. He really got to know these candidates. And um, yeah. like you said, the, the, the abortion debate in particular, I thought was really striking. And you saw like three different views from Republican candidates on how they should handle abortion. But, you know, you look at the polls right now, Trump up 40 points. Like, are Republican voters really watching this and considering another candidate? I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're gonna have to see how people are reacting. I mean, I was texting family who I know are Republican voters and follow politics very closely and they weren't watching. So I do wonder how mm. much this will actually change the dynamic of the race. I think the the thing we don't know is like wh- you know wh- what is the sort of confluence of like what views were aired and what the sort of market for them is in the Republican primary electorate because like you know is right. there any market like a good po- like a good policy debate but is this a, par- polit- a party that wants to do that? Chris Christie Chris Christie got a lot of speaking time but there's no evidence that what he is saying is corresponds to like what uh, you know. The, the Iowa caucus goer is going to be thinking about. Yeah. So I, I, I think Rachel's right. It's sort of like. I, I was going to say, what did you guys think about, about Vivek? Well, Eugene stole my moment. Oh, yeah. We've got. Yeah, yeah, we got so way off course. <laughs> I stole Rachel's moment. We'll fight later. But but here's the thing Does anybody's moment not involve Vivek Ramaswamy? <laughs> that's, well, that's what that's I was going to say. Exactly. Like, uh, there was a lot of Ramaswamy moments that I thought were so interesting. I mean, like, he. I haven't been watching him a bunch 
I, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I haven't been watching him a bunch uh, on television or like following him on the stump or anything like that. I feel like I got to know him pretty well uh, tonight. And obviously he's, his, he's growing in the polls. So we're going to have to cover him more closely. But I have talked to people in Iowa who really like him. They say he's like very approachable. They say he is everywhere and talking to voters and shaking hands. And they like that. And I felt like I could see tonight why people like him on the one hand, because he was... You know, he's probably the, not probably, definitely the newest yeah. uh, sort of political newcomer uh, to the debate stage. What, 38 years old, mm-hmm. no political background. All these other people, they've run for governor, they've been in Congress, won a vice president, ambassador. They've been doing this like their whole lives, their whole adult careers. And he seemed the most comfortable up there. And I think that that will really resonate with voters. However, when you start getting into the substance of things like the foreign policy back and forth with Mike Pence or Nikki Haley owning him on foreign policy uh, as well, you could sort of see that maybe he doesn't know exactly everything he's talking about. And, you know, that obviously is going to be a problem for him. He, he, I mean, he did the best job of introducing himself to people tonight, right? Like, kind of letting people know who he was, what he's about. He had a good first, maybe, like, 45 minutes to an hour. But then when it got into that policy, Rachel, like you're saying, it was just, like, him getting punched over and over and over again. And people getting irritated that he was even there. I will say he also stole a line from Barack Obama. Skinny kid with a funny last name. Obama line from many, many years ago. Which the DeSantis camp was out with right away on on Twitter, uh, <laughs> cu- cutting together. Well, Chris Christie called it. Right. Out. I have to say, he he in it. terms of yeah, like Christie called it out on stage. He did close with the 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 questionable claim that the U.S. Constitution won us the American Re- Revolution. <laughs> which <laughs> you don't have to be a, a a scholar of American history today has some. Well, he did say uh, he he did say that problems. his debate prep was on the tennis court with that video, that shirtless video. So maybe that was a mistake. Maybe he should have done some like in a room with people and not on the not on the tennis my, court. My two cents on Vivek is, I think he you saw his shtick wear thin, especially when the other candidates yeah. started to go after him. Rachel pointed out Nikki Haley really just sort of rolling her eyes about the limits of his knowledge about foreign policy. And you start to see that, you know, some of his views really are kind of like, uh, you know, not there's not much there below below the surface. It's a lot of sort of uh, uh, red meat applause lines. But on the other hand, he he accomplished one thing that is important at these debates, especially in the modern media era, is he made himself the main character of the debate. (laughs) Totally. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you close your yeah. eyes and think, who are the three yeah. most memorable people? To me, it's like Vivek, Pence, Christie. Not necessarily in that order, but roughly. And Vivek's views are a lot more in line with Republican voters than Christie and Pence's. So he, he, he may have accomplished something. Also, you know, not to sound cynical, but Republican voters like somebody who's entertaining. I mean, look right. who the last Republican president was. Mm-hmm. Not exactly known for his policy wonkery in substance uh and yet he just was very forthright and you know talked like everyday people talk and people like that so it can actually go a long way absolutely were you guys shocked surprised at tim scott's kind of if if vivek's the main character tim scott's the what tertiary but fourth character, they, they the character. Was that, npc not that non-player character yeah exactly the non-playable character exactly unless the you Instagram mix it thing. up unless you mix it up with the unless you're getting attacked or you're attacking it's kind of hard to break through. And Tim Scott has a, like, do not engage rule, it seems like, right? 
I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't attack Trump. He didn't attack well, anyone else He's like else the happy warrior, right? He's supposed to be like bringing well, the positivity. We, 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 we do have a sign of, of who broke through with Donald Trump, at least. Um, oh. He, in the last half hour, <laughs> tweeted, or excuse me, posted to Truth, Truth Social, uh, I never asked Mike Pence to put me above the Constitution. <laughs> who would say such a thing? A, f- a fake story, exclamation point. And then mm. another post, Chris Christie was horrible tonight. He was booed at a level never seen before at such a debate. He should have walked off stage. Nobody wanted to hear from him. Well, that is very telling that Trump's two targets exactly. tonight are Pence and Christie. Yeah. Those are the two people that got under his skin that, that, and that broke through. I mean, the problem for Scott, Haley, Burgum, um, even Hutchinson is just that they had no, you know, what did, what did they express that was sort of out, you know, even notable, like that was even worth commenting on, you know, say what you will about Ron DeSantis. He talked about how he was going to send troops across the Mexican border on day one, which is <laughs> quite a statement when you step back and think about it. But, you know, even then, you know, he was sort of, the, you know, the, 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 yep. the sort of ideas he was expressing were, were nothing you're going to remember and talk about the next day. Bomb Mexico is the new build yeah. the wall. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, there was one line that Haley had that I thought was Noteworthy. I mean, she actually was the first one to go after fellow yeah. Republicans on the debate stage. I mean, I think initially the questions were very sort of targeted at Biden. People were railing against the Biden administration, uh, talking about their own records. And she was the first one to say, oh, no, Republicans are the problem uh, when it comes to the national debt. You know, Donald yeah. Trump increased the national debt by X amount. And then she named Republicans on the stage. And she also said Trump is the most unpopular candidate or unpopular politician out there right now. We can't win yes. if that's what we're doing or something yeah. along those lines. So she she did have a couple of moments. I agree that she was very she was very uh, stump speechy and I have heard so many of those lines from her multiple times. Um, so, you know, there was no surprise in that regard. I think DeSantis is the biggest maybe loser of the night because of how high the bar was, Who? DeSantis. Like if you're in the center, you have to be in the center. And he didn't And he didn't do it. Someone told him to um, emote and he just started yelling. Like the whole, at the very beginning, he was just yelling at people. <laughs> that was not the way to go. So it was awkward, like he was awkward throughout. And I think his kind of, he seemed unsure of himself. He seemed uncomfortable. Kind of what people have been saying and seeing um, with him on the, on the trail over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so I'm in touch with his some of his folks. Do you want to hear what they're? One hundred percent. I was going to say they're live and in color. They're already trying to sort of pre-spin <laughs> this. Um, so they're arguing that um, the rest of the candidates are focused on attacking each other, while DeSantis is focused on the future. Uh, <laughs> even there, even these the lines are like really lame. presidential. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, uh, but I mean, like, they've had time. No, I, they've had a lot I of time. I definitely agree that this is not the case. But um, no, it's just it's interesting how the the spinning is is going on. Yeah, <laughs> and what they're choosing to spin on. So, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go around and ask each of you to, in one word, oh, man, I hate these kinds of questions. One word tonight, Ryan. I'm gonna yeah, start with you. Come on, Zach. Well, forget now. this. Oh, come now. on, people, play now. along with me. Play along with me, people. I'm tired and I need a shower. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll do it. I I guess we'll just have to end it there then. Entertaining. There you go. Okay. That's good, Lizzo. I'd say, just to go back to uh, clarifying. All right. Clarifying. I I think, I think it, 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 
and lightning. And clarifying it, and lightning. Sorry. Each of these candidates is much. This is many more words than one, but it's clarifying to me because <laughs> these candidates are all more well defined. You know, these debates do force you to kind of like forge an identity with a few with, with a few big issues and a few lines. And I feel like I came away with like the clear lane that all of these candidates are are in now. I was really hoping my word would be bergamentum, but um, I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> I'm going to go with exhausting. The two hours of debating is a lot, so I'm ready to sign off. I actually didn't think it was that long. Like, I kind of wanted more. Me too. Actually, me too. I, yeah. yeah. But you're there. I, I feel like you're there in the room and there's all that energy. I'm, like, sitting on my couch well, by myself. I'm, I'm supposedly on vacation, so maybe that is coloring my view here. <laughs> Instead, right. you're talking that to us, losers. Eugene, we still have to hear your word. My word, well, I was going to say clarifying, defining. I think that, like, the idea that we finally are going to see what, like, if this is what these candidates are going to do moving forward, some of them are in a, in a good place. One of them, especially Mike Pence. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, talking us through this uh, historic evening. Uh, and uh, I will touch base with you all very shortly. It was fun. I'm going to sleep. Bye. Thanks, guys. And for your schedule today, the House and the Senate are out, and President Biden has nothing on his public schedule. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. Americans count on oil and natural gas. Made, moved, and improved by nearly 11 million workers and suppliers in all 50 states contributing trillions to communities and the U.S. economy. From Pennsylvania to California, America's natural gas and oil workforce strengthens our nation. Our economic outlook is brighter when we lead on energy, with Washington policies that encourage American energy investment and development.